How much of reality are we missing simply because we're not aware of it? Because we're not paying attention. Where are we? Well, we're often in the past, lost in vague, faint memories, or in the future. Either regretting the past or fearing the future. You may call it planning, but it comes out of anxiety and fear. And so every minute, every hour we spend lost in thought in the past or the future is time that we step outside of reality. We miss the reality of now, and then there's nothing to remember. How tragic. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Well, good morning from California. This is Michael Benner with Wisdom of the Soul, brought to you by the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Happy to be with you today. I enjoy these Sunday classes. I look forward to them all week. And uh, today we're going to do a class on memory, if I can remember everything I wanted to say about it. There's a lot here. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. And we'll do an opening meditation in a minute as well, which is always uh, a fun part. Whenever we do a meditation, I'd like you to consider, because I only mention it rarely, and I'll repeat it now, that there is a distinct difference between meditating alone and doing a group meditation. But in a sense, every meditation could be a group meditation. If you bring to mind, and I rarely hear this discussed among meditators, the fact that at any minute, at any given moment in your daily life, millions of people around the world are meditating or in prayer or contemplation. And just as every plant Every tree, every blade of grass, and every flower is rooted in the same ground, the common ground, and in a sense, all plugged in together. So are we, especially when you consider that we're beings of energy or spirit. Energy doesn't get divided up. Material forms are separated, but no, energy exists in fields. Um, akin to clouds. And so if you just think of it that way, you can at any time, even if you find yourself alone in a room and you want to do a, a quick meditation or a lengthy meditation for that matter, invoke the group. Just bring to mind the fact that there are millions of others all around the world that are seeking to know themselves better to discover who they are, 
to develop that awareness and incorporate it into a happier life uh, with more peace and more freedom and more joy. So it's obvious when we do a meditation here that you're part of a group, but I thought I'd mention that. And we'll get to that in just a minute. The uh, class I want to do today on memory really has three parts. And so to help me remember it, I'm going to refer to the triple A of memory, the three A's. And the first is awareness. Now, we could use the word attention, but I think awareness is an important word. Association is the second A. Memory works best when it's associated with something else, like a picture, for example. And the crazier, the better. But it could be a sound. It could be music, for example, that we associate it with. Or a rhyme, a little rap, or mnemonics we'll talk about today. Um, and then the third A is affect. You gotta care. If you don't care, if there's no emotional impact, you're less likely to remember. Clearly, if you believe you have a bad memory or wish for some reason to invest in forgetting, then the unconscious or subconscious, as it's often called, will comply and allow you to forget. But strong emotional impact, it could be strong in a positive way or strong in a negative way. Those are the experiences that we're most likely to recall. I was thinking in uh, contemplating the class this week, reflecting on some of my memories, and I thought, well, what should I consider? And I thought, well, how about birthdays? How many birthdays do I remember? Because it seems like a birthday is a pretty significant day. There's often a party, some sort of celebration. Maybe you got a cake and you, you blew out the candles and people brought you presents and Seems like a pretty important day, and yet how many, let me ask you, how many of those birthdays do you actually remember, do you recall? The ones I remember were parties, big parties. I, when I was uh, just out of college, my girlfriend at the time threw a big surprise party for me, and I remember that because none of my friends knew enough to park around the block. They all parked in front of my house. So when I came home, <laughs> when I came home from dinner, it was supposed to be a big surprise. I said to my girlfriend, I said, well, that's Joe's car, and that's Sally's car, and Bill's here, and all my friends are here. Look at all their cars are here. And so that sort of wrecked the surprise. But I, it was a great party, and I remember that. My wife, Doreen, gave me a party on my 50th birthday that I remember. But there's a whole lot of birthdays I just don't recall. And so, again, the whole idea of you've got to be aware. The more aware you are, the more likely you are to remember. And, and I'll talk about finding your keys, why we uh, often forget where our, we put our keys or whether we 
you know, you're on the way to work and you go, oh my God, did I turn off the coffee pot? I don't know. Did I close the garage door? I'm not sure. Did I leave the water running in the tub? I, <laughs> I don't know. And it creates enormous anxiety. And what does the anxiety do? That's right. It shatters and scatters your memories, or you're even less likely to remember. So awareness, association, and strong emotional affect, those are the three A's of memory that I just made up and fortunately remembered and uh, will share with you today as we talk about some of the tools and tricks of memory with again, an overriding agenda, and that's to be more aware of being aware. This is what mindfulness is, to be more aware. This is higher consciousness, don't you see? To be more aware, to be more awake. A great deal of organized religion is about growing up. Metaphysics and mysticism and other spiritual philosophies are more about waking up and discovering through an expanded awareness or heightened consciousness, a kind of a elevated perspective that indeed awareness is what it's all about. Awareness is who we are. Awareness is consciousness in the East and in Western and Middle Eastern religions, it's love. Awareness is consciousness and love. And the reason those are three words for the same thing, awareness, consciousness, and love, is that they define the absence of otherness. And so your identity is, I am the love I'm looking for. All this searching for love. The idea that God is love, God is a religious word for love. God is a religious word for happiness. Allah, Brahman, uh, the great spirit, the prime mover, the absolute, whatever you want to call it. And notice, nobody's saying God loves you except some really uh, fundamental religious approaches. It's not about God loving you or you loving God. The phrase in John in the New Testament is God is love. This is the I am. There's a big difference between God is love and happiness and joy and contentment and peace of mind. And the idea that anthropomorphizes God into a man on a cloud living outside its creation who loves you dearly but nevertheless is uh, either causing or tolerating a lot of evil in the world. Now, as we wake up and become more aware of what it means to be aware, otherness and separation disappear. So the secret to memory begins with awareness. If you're not aware of it, it doesn't exist. It's the one thing you can <laughs> it's the one thing you can't get behind is awareness. You know, cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. Uh, awareness is fundamental. Consciousness is fundamental. It's the only thing that's real. 
Tolstoy said, love is the only thing that's real. Many others have said the same thing. Well, that's, again, consciousness, the only thing that's real. To be aware, to be awake, to be truly aware, the only thing that's real. Everything else is temporary, in flux, changing, impermanent, rising and falling, ebbing and flowing. There's a uh, mystic from, I think, the 12th or 13th century who said, if I were a king and did not know it, I would not be a king. And that sounds sort of silly and, uh, you know, insipid, sort of stupid. I mean, obvious. But the more you ponder that, how much of reality are we missing simply because we're not aware of it? Because we're not paying attention. Where are we? Well, we're often in the past, lost in vague, faint memories, or in the future. Either regretting the past or fearing the future. You may call it planning, but it comes out of anxiety and fear. And so every minute, every hour we spend lost in thought in the past or the future is time that we step outside of reality. We miss the reality of now, and then there's nothing to remember. How tragic. I tell a story in my book, Fearless Intelligence. I hope you have a copy and I hope you've read it. One of the chapters begins with the story of uh, Doreen and I going to a Starbucks and it was a particularly weak moment for me. And so I broke down and bought one of those notorious espresso brownies knowing I really shouldn't have the million calories and fats and sugars, but I just... You know how you rationalize that stuff every once in a while. And so I got my little bag with my brownie in it, and we got our coffees, and we jumped in the car. We were up on the Sunset Strip, in fact, at the time in uh, West Hollywood, or just west of West Hollywood, out toward Beverly Hills, and we're headed toward uh, the city, coming into the city proper. And we had driven along the Sunset Strip and we're looking, we hadn't been there in a while, and we were looking at the giant billboards and the electric signs and the crazy people walking up and down the street having a great time. And I reached for the brownie and it was gone. And I thought, oh my God, where's the brownie? There's just crumbs left in the bag. And I thought, well, there's no dog. We didn't have a dog at the time, so I can't blame the dog. And I I knew Doreen would not have eaten it. If she wanted a brownie, she would have bought one for herself, and she didn't. So, gosh, I must have eaten it. I had no memory of eating the brownie. And I turned my attention to my palate, and sure enough, there was a faint taste of chocolate on, <laughs> on my tongue. And, well, damn, I ate that whole brownie and didn't taste any of it because I wasn't paying attention. I was doing other things. That wasn't the end of the story because it plunged me into this realization of what if I wake up, so to speak, and I'm like 90 years old and I realize 
I just don't have that much of my life to remember. I don't remember that much because I wasn't paying attention. Not just to eating the brownie. What else am I not paying attention to? What am I not aware of? Therefore, how could I remember it? And what happened to my life? Because I was busy. I wasn't paying attention. I was watching TV. Uh, I was worried about the news. I was working. I was, you know, busy doing other things. Trying to pay the rent and buy groceries and keep my head above water. And I really wasn't present, and I missed it. And that changed my life. It really changed my life forever. I became in that moment bound and determined to pay attention as much as possible to develop my personal awareness, to notice what I notice so that I can be alive, to be awake, to be aware, and have something to remember, something to recall. So that's the first of the three A's. And then, as I say, we'll talk more about association and emotional affect. Awareness, association, affect. Let's do our meditation. Get comfortable in your chairs. Close your eyes. There's a gentle rising up as if awakening in the morning. And three, open your eyes now. Eyes open now, wide awake, back in the room, feeling fine, rested, refreshed. Big, deep breath. Take a big breath. And exhale, maybe stretch a little bit. Feeling much better than before. Wide awake, back in the room. Good. So let's get over, let's go over some of these uh, tools and tips for improving our memory. I think I've made my point about awareness. So let's talk about association a little bit. I'm not sure why it is. Something about the neurology of the brain and the way memories are stored. And it's even controversial, the idea that memories are stored in the brain. If you have any kind of spiritual orientation, that is, you think of yourself as an energy being, an, an infinite and eternal being of love and light, as opposed to a mere bag of protoplasm, then you have to consider that memories are retained above and free of form. Memories can be stimulated by poking the brain with electrodes. So there is neurology involved. But uh, that doesn't mean that's the end of it. So you may want to consider that if there is karma and reincarnation, that memory has to be stored on a higher plane, so-called collective unconscious, or the Akashic records. Maybe you've heard of that. Uh, some sort of uh, past life reservoir of 
even in Western religion, when we're children, we're told God has a big book. You see this with Santa Claus, too. Santa Claus knows if you've been naughty or nice because everything's written down in a big book. Well, we're told as little school children uh, in uh, Bible class or catechism or whatever, God has uh, a big book and he writes everything down. Even if you have that uh, Judeo-Christian-Islamic monotheism, that Abrahamic thing going for you about heaven and hell, memories, how are you going to be judged, you know, unless those memories exist above and free of form? Just something to consider. But association helps a lot. And there's different ways of associating two or more items to improve memory. One is visualization, which I rely on a lot. Um, by nature, an auditory person, you know, there's three rep systems, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, just the feeling in your body. And each of us draws upon all three of those especially with memory. You may remember a picture. You may remember via a voice in your head telling you something. You may remember just sort of how it felt. Right now, it occurs to me that I remember how it felt to be on those whale watch boats when we lived in Maui. And in the wintertime, we'd go on the whale watches, and that was always so fun and the feeling of being on the boat. And I hear the sounds, and I have pictures in my head too. So all of us are all three, but most of us draw primarily on one. And I like music, and I'm a radio guy, and a public speaker, and so I'm real auditory. But I, I like to visualize, because the brain thinks not only in words, but in pictures, right? So, imagination has the word image in it. It's important, I think, to remember that imagination, even the word visualization, can be expanded, expanded to include all of the imaginary senses. So, you can, as I said before, imagine not only the image, imagine images in the word imagination, but imagine how it sounds. Right now, imagine walking in the woods and hearing the birds sing. Listen. See, there they are. <laughs> it's so easy. You hear birds singing. I get earworms. This morning I woke up and Circle Game by Joni Mitchell was in my head. It's still there. She's been singing all through the class so far. I I get these little, sometimes they're called brain worms, but when they're music, we call them earworms. You can imagine the fragrance. That's a very strong memory. I think of my, my grandmother. I think of her kitchen, and I smell the cookies, even though that was so, so many years ago. 
I remember a guy walking by me once on the street smoking a pipe, and his pipe to people don't do that anymore, do they? And his pipe tobacco triggered a memory of my grandmother's cookies. <laughs> and I flashed back. It was a strong, almost psychedelic flashback to being a little kid in my grandmother's kitchen. Triggered. The memory was triggered by that fragrance, that smell. Flowers may do that for you. And so, too, a memory of a taste that you have an imaginary sense for every literal physical sense. The brain loves for something that you wish to remember to be associated with one of these senses, particularly pictures. But again, as I said, it could be anything. Um, how did you learn your ABCs? That's 26 different characters that you have to remember. And so I'm sure we all learned by singing a little song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. What is the melody, by the way? Did you ever ask yourself the melody? Where did where did the ABC melody come from? Yeah, it's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And that's how we learned A, B, C, D, E, F, G. By singing the song. I know we have teachers that are with us today who know exactly what I'm talking about. You've consciously and deliberately employed some of these things in in teaching kids, you know, little rhymes, little mini raps, little rhymes work. I before E except after C. Do-da, do-da. Shaboom, shaboom. Why is that easy to remember? Well, it's got a nice little rhythm to it. It's got a little cadence. I before E except after C. Makes it easy to remember. It could be a song, could be a rhythm. Mnemonic, I know you know about mnemonics. Uh, let's go back to music. I remember in the fifth grade, for sure, I was 10 years old when I started studying music, and we learned that the in the treble clef, the names of the notes that were on the lines of the staff corresponded to every good boy does fine or every good boy deserves fudge either works and those are the names of the notes on the line and then the names of the notes in the spaces spell face f-a-c-e i used that all my life you know oh that's a c that's a b how do you know Every good boy deserves, <laughs> right? Or how do you remember the colors of uh, the col the order of the colors of the rainbow? Well, it's Roy G. Biv. Roy R O Y, middle initial G, last name B I V. Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Wham, bam, there you go. You don't have to remember the seven colors of the rainbow. You just need to remember Roy G. Biv. <laughs> Our buddy, Roy G. Biv, who comes out after the 
after the uh, rain and the rainbow comes out. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. I grew up in Michigan. We always learned to remember the names of the Great Lakes. There's five Great Lakes. We used the mnemonic Holmes, H-O-M-E-S. And now immediately, if you just visualize the Great Lakes as having homes built on the shore, if you ever been there, some of the most beautiful homes are right on the lake. Holmes, H-O-M-E-S, is Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior. Now you know all the Great Lakes. You don't have to remember all the names. You just remember homes, but you've associated it one time in the mind, and that makes it easy to remember. And then again, affirm it. Use that phrase. That'll be easy to remember. Oh, Roy G. Biv, Holmes, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, Holmes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior, wham, bam, easy as pie. Sometimes it helps to tell yourself a story or to weave a little story. This is how the memory experts do it, and I'll talk about memory pegs in a minute. I wish we had time. It takes about an hour, between one and two hours, to teach the memory pegs, so I can't do that in class, but I can tell you about it. Uh, and I want to uh, talk a little about remembering names and, and faces as well. But to weave a story, let's take uh, about we want to remember the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. Oh, my God. we got a test tomorrow, and I've got to memorize the whole Bill of Rights. How in the world am I going to do that? You do it with crazy pictures, and you make it fun. So the first is free speech, the right to petition your government, the right to assemble. So create a picture of a guy on a soapbox in a town square ranting and raving about Jesus or politics or uh, whatever. He's got a right to stand there and speak freely. And the right to assemble. People have a right to gather around. So visualize people gathering around. And maybe somebody's passing a petition. Just however that occurs to you. If there's 25 of you in class today, all, each one of you has, you know, a different picture. There's 25 different pictures of this guy standing there on the soapbox, having his say, free speech, number one. And you notice he's got a short sleeve shirt. His arms are bare. And on each arm is a tattoo of a gun. Maybe there's a rifle on one arm and a handgun on the other arm or a shotgun. And so the second is the right to bear arms, a little play on words, a little pun. Right? I don't want to get off into the politics of how that's been distorted, but if you actually read the amendment, it's in order to maintain an orderly militia. <laughs> the right to bear arms is about a militia which is the National Guard. But to go further would be to raise politics, and I know some of you are sensitive about politics. 
So what's number three? Let's say this guy that is freely speaking, the First Amendment, with bare arms and tattoos of guns on his bare arms, the Second Amendment, goes home and he finds that soldiers are in his house. You're telling a little story now. Create the picture in your mind. This guy goes home and there's soldiers in his house. And he says, get out of here. The Third Amendment to the Constitution, part of the Bill of Rights, is I, I, I don't have to quarter soldiers in my home. I don't have to allow you to be here. I could consent for you to be here, but I do not consent, so get the hell out of here. And they get angry, and so they say, no, we're going to arrest you, and we're going to seize this property. And that's the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. And you say, no, I have rights. Uh, you, you have to have a search warrant to seize this property. There has to be due cause, probable cause. And that has to be presented to a judge and asked to say where, what you're looking for specifically and where you expect to find it if you're going to get a search warrant. That's the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. But let's say they arrest you anyway and go to court and you don't want to say anything because you couldn't afford an attorney and they appointed one for you and you don't trust them. So you what? You take the fifth. And say, I'm not going to incriminate myself. I'm going to take the Fifth Amendment. If you tell this, if you create this little story, you see, First Amendment, free speech. Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Third Amendment, no soldiers can be quartered in your home without your consent or your place of business. Fourth Amendment, undo search and seizure. Fifth Amendment, the right not to incriminate yourself. And then continue on, the right to a fair trial, civil trial, states' rights, so on. Just weave the story. It's almost the top of the hour. Let me wrap this up. Faces. How do you remember names and faces? Again, silly, silly, silly associations. You've got to care. You've got to make it a point. If you just don't care, then you won't be aware. I don't care, I'm not aware, and there'll be nothing to remember, no reason to remember, no motive to remember, no affect. Remember, that's the third A, is the affect, the awareness, the association, and then a strong emotional feeling. I've got to care, I want to remember these people's names, it's important. Imagine if the next, especially in business, my goodness, Imagine if the next time you meet these people, it's like, hi, Bill. Hey, Sally. Hi, George. Didn't we meet the other day? And they're impressed. Oh, wow, he remembers me. Like Sally Fields. They really, really like me. He remembered my name. <laughs> it's funny I should be talking about this. I had a dream this morning that uh, I was at a venue where Bob Dylan was playing, and I knew that if I waited outside the stage door, he'd come out. And so I waited there in my dream <laughs> just this morning. This is true. And uh, I was uh, uh, just talking with the security guys, and there was a big limousine there. And, and Bob came out, Dylan, and I said, hi, Bob. And he said, hi, Michael. And boy, did I feel good. I woke up. <laughs> I woke up this morning feeling like Bob Dylan knows who I am. He doesn't, of course. He, <laughs> but it sure was a, a fun dream to feel for a moment like he did. It was very cool. 
how do we remember names and faces? Find a distinguishing characteristic in the person's face and say to yourself, well, this will be easy to remember. You know, next time I see this face, this is what I'll notice. These whatever it is, giant bushy eyebrows or big nose or exaggerated chin or dimples or a cleft in the chin or big ears or small ears or funny haircut or whatever. Not to make fun of them or ridicule them or anything, just a, a, a distinguishing feature. Maybe it's the tone of voice, the way they speak, their demeanor. Whatever strikes you, what's your first impression, right? Especially if it's visual. And then look for something in the name that you can associate with that face, even if it's silly. In fact, the sillier, the more ridiculous, the better. So uh, if you want to remember Michael Benner, you look for something about the face that makes me easy to remember. Well, he's got all white hair and he's got a white goatee and whatever, however I strike you, whatever occurs to you about the face. But the name, Mike Benner, well, let's see. Uh, he spent most of his life on the radio in Los Angeles, and he does these uh, Sunday morning uh, webinars, these Zoom classes, and he's always got a microphone in front of him. Here it is. Here's the mic. Okay, Mike Benner, Michael Benner, Mike Benner, Mike Ben-Hur. Who's Ben-Hur? Well, I can see this guy in a Roman toga in a chariot like Ben-Hur, right? Racing the chariot in Roman times around the track with a microphone in front of him. That's pretty stupid. That's pretty silly. He's in a chariot like Ben-Hur and there's a microphone in front of his face. That's much easier to remember than just some abstract name like Mike Benner. And then finally, let me touch on the memory pegs, and then we'll go to your Q&A. And again, it would take me an hour and a half, an hour to two hours to teach all of the memory pegs. But there's, it's, it's just stunning how remarkable memory pegs work for remembering long lists. This is generally attributed to uh, Jerry Lucas, a basketball player from 60 years ago or more. It's called the Lucas-Lorraine memory method. And as I recall, Jerry Lucas memorized the whole Bible word for word using this system. But it has to do with creating a visual picture that's associated with a number. And look, there's only 10 numbers, right? And then they repeat. So there's 0, 1 through 9, and then they repeat. A 10 is a 1 and a 0. We've already got those. And 11 is a 1 and a 1. 12 is a 1 and a 2. So you only need the basic 10 to get started. And we'll start with number 1. Most lists start with 1, not 0. So number 1, we have to create, and again, this has been done for us by the Lucas-Lorraine method. It's a standard method. But the, the way it works is you remember a a peg letter, which is associated with or leads to a peg word, which creates a peg picture. The number is seen as a letter 
as a word and a picture that never changes. So the number one is always the letter T, the word T, T-E-A, and the picture of a glass of tea or a cup of tea. That never changes. The number one is always a cup of tea. And if that association fades over time because you weren't using the system, it's easy to rec- it's easy to figure it out, to remember the elements. Well, number one is one vertical element that looks like the letter T. And so the word must be T. Oh, yeah, it's a glass of T. Number two has two vertical elements, right? The letter N. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's easy enough to remember. Two, the peg letter is N. The peg word is Noah. Why? Because Noah took two of everything on the boat. So visualize a picture of Noah. That'll never change. Number two is always Noah, no matter how many times you use the list. Three, well, that would be the letter M because it's got three vertical lines. So April showers bring May flowers. Number three, the peg letter is M, the peg word is May, and the picture is May flowers. Whatever item you want to put in your list, you the number three, you put it in a field of wildflowers. So I want to go to the store, and uh, I'm, uh, I've decided I need to get milk, butter, and bread. Well, I visualize a carton of milk in this giant glass of tea. I visualize Noah with, do this now, very quickly. You can close your eyes, or you can just space out. And see that giant, enormous glass of tea or cup of hot tea. And put a milk carton in the middle of it. Silliest image imaginable. And then visualize Noah with a stick of butter in each hand or a pound of butter in each hand. Or, or see Noah with the uh, animals all around him on the ark and he's churning butter. Whatever occurs to you. You don't have to dwell on it. You just got to make it crazy and see it once and say, you know, that'll be easy to remember. Number three, bread. Just put your loaf of bread out in the middle of the field of wildflowers. And then you continue four, five, six, seven, eight. I I did this up to 30 uh, about 40 years ago when I learned this, almost 50 years ago I learned this. And I've used it scores of times. And the funny thing is the items that you put in the list will disappear and fade over time, but the list remains. I still use the same list. One is always T, two is always Noah, three is always May, four is Ray, five is Law, six is Jaw, seven is Key, eight is Fee, nine is Bay, ten is Toes, eleven is Dot. So you get to eleven, and that's a one and a one, so that's TT, so the peg word is Tot. You see a little kid. And then 12 is TN, so that would be a T and an N. So the peg word is tin. You see a tin cup. So it's always easy to remember, right? 13 would be what? TM, right? So that would be a TAM. You know what a tam shanner is? The, the beret with the ball on the top, the tam shanner You associate with it. You may say, well, that's harder than just remembering the item. No, it's not. I swear. <laughs> 
this is all the, they have these big global competitions where memory experts from all over the world come and, and are challenged to remember hundreds of things. This is how they do it. Every single one of them without exception. Because your mind loves crazy pictures. And again, if you want to learn that on your own, check out the Lucas Lorraine Memory Method. Google it. There's a book probably online too. 